often hear of the outspokenness of modern literature, but for my own part I do not believe the assertion. The reproach is merely an idle boast of morality. Literature, which has long been called the expression of society, does not express it at all, quite the reverse. And when some writer, bolder than the others, dares to go a little further than they do, heaven knows what a fuss is made. If you examine the matter, you will find that literature does not relate half the crimes which society commits mysteriously and with impunity every day, with delightful frequency and facility. Ask the confessors, who would be the greatest novelists the world has ever had if they could relate the stories which are whispered into their ear in the confession box. Inquire how many cases of incest, for example, are committed in the proudest and noblest of families, and see if literature, which is so much accused of immoral boldness, has ever dared to relate them, even to terrify the ill-doers. Except for a slight breath, which is but a breath after all, on the subject in the René of Chateaubriand, the religious Chateaubriand, I do not know of a book in which incest, an offence so common in our days, both in the upper and lower ranks of society, and perhaps more in the lower than in the upper, has been freely handled, and all the lessons of a truly tragic morality deduced therefrom. Has modern literature, at which hypocrisy throws its little stone, ever dared to relate the histories of Myra, Agrippina, and Oedipus, which, believe me, are as true today as they were then, for I have not lived, at least up to now, in any other hell than the social hell, and I have, for my own part, known and rubbed shoulders with plenty of Myras, Oedipuses, and Agrippinas in private life, and what is called the best society. Parbleu, their stories are not related as they would be on the stage, or in history. But glimpses may be seen under the social surface of precautions, fears, and hypocrisies. I knew, and all Paris knew, a Madame Henri III, who wore at her girdle a little chaplet of death's heads, mounted in gold, and hanging down on her blue velvet dress, and who sometimes flogged herself, mingling her penance with the other pleasures of Henri III. Who would write the history of that woman, who composed pious works, and whom the Jesuits believed to be a man, a nice detail that, and even a saint, it is not many years ago since a lady of the Faubourg Saint-Germain took her mother's lover, and furious at seeing that lover return to her mother, who, though old, knew better than her daughter how to make herself loved, stole some of the letters her mother had addressed to this lover, had them lithographed and thrown by thousands from the paradise, well named for such an action, of the opera on the night of a first performance. Who has ever written the history of that woman? If poor literature essayed to write such stories, it would not know at which end to begin. Yet that is what it would relate if it were outspoken. History has many a Tacitus and Suetonius. Romance has not, at least among writers who possess both morality and talent. It is true that the Latin language dares to be honest, like the pagan that it is, whilst our language was baptized with Clovis in the font of Saint-Rémy and there contracted an imperishable modesty, for the old woman still blushes. Nevertheless, if a writer dared to dare, a Suetonius or a Tacitus might exist amongst the novelists, for the novel is specially the history of manners put in a dramatic form, and history is often the same. 
There is only this difference between them, that the one, the novel, describes manners under the cover of fictitious personages, and the other, history, gives the real names and addresses. But romance goes further than history. It has an ideal, whilst history has not, being restrained by reality. Romance, too, holds the stage for a much longer period. Lovelace will live longer in Richardson than Tiberius will in Tacitus. But if Tiberius in Tacitus was described as fully as Lovelace is in Richardson, do you think that history would lose by that, and Tacitus would be less terrible? But I am not afraid to say that Tacitus, as a painter, is beneath Tiberius as a model, and that in spite of all his genius he is crushed by it. And that is not all.